Amen. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we're in Ephesians, which is uh, an incredible book of the Bible. It is uh, an incredible thing to take opportunity to look at as a church, to unpack it and delve into it. And, and this morning, as I've been uh, thinking and praying and, and reading this passage over and over and over again, um, I think it's just one of those passages of Scripture that if we really grasp this, if we really start to tackle and understand what what's been getting out here is so transformative to our lives, to those we know, to those around us, to our town, to our communities. It is, if we really take this, it has such impact. So we're going to be delving that together and we're right at the beginning of the book of Ephesians in Ephesians 1. And a couple of weeks ago when we were last in Ephesians, we had the, the first part of Ephesians, which is this incredible dense passage exploring the gospel, summarizing the gospel, what it is. And then Paul says, for this reason, and then starts to pray. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 15, and it'll come on screen, and I'll read it. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he asserted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things at his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. Amen. Because it's a prayer. Like I said, Paul, Paul unpacks in a beautiful, dense way the gospel. Then it leads him to pray. It leads him to this point of praying for this church he's writing to. It feels like he can't quite help himself but go, that's why I've been praying for you. And this is what I've been praying for you. And it's a beautiful prayer. And he prays in some ways two things. Two things for us to hold on to, remember this morning. That we know God better. And that we know that the power that is within us. That we know him better and we know the power that is within us. Because he unpacks this gospel, this, this amazing gospel that says God chooses you no matter who you are, where from, what you're like. He chooses you. He pours out his love and grace to you. Which is an amazing thing. But a joyful, incredible thing is it doesn't stop there. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not one that just says, you're in the dirt and I saved you, done, thanks. But it's a gospel where Jesus goes, 
I saw you in the dirt. I lifted you out of the dirt. I washed you clean. I gave you new clothes. I let you walk with me, come with me. I lifted you and showed you a life far better than you could ever have imagined. The gospel of Jesus is one that says not only are we saved from our sin, but we are poured out grace upon grace upon grace. That there is so much more that he wants to lavish upon us. It's really amazing seeing people come to faith, but there's so much more that we come to realize as we come to know Jesus more and more. That's why I love last week as we saw the confirmations, these amazing people who've not only realized who Jesus is, welcomed him into life, but are continually pursuing him in their lives to know him more and more. And Paul puts it like this in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has given you. The riches of his glorious inheritance, his holy people. The people Paul is, is, is writing to are already believers. They've already been saved, they've already got it, but he keeps praying more for them. That they will continue to be enlightened as they understand more and more of who he is. That they will continue to understand and, and know more of his hope. That they will know more of the inheritance which they have received through adoptionship into his family. He keeps praying for more and more and more. It's one of the things I love about being a follower of Jesus. There is always more. I can never fully grasp his love that he has for me. I can never fully comprehend the hope which is there. I can never quite get how awesome he is. Awesome. And as we open up scripture and as we pray that there is more and more and more there. There's more and more ways which he wants to speak and fill our lives and shape us and form us to be more and more the people he calls us to be. Which is more life-giving, more lifeful, more joyful. There is more. He wants us to know him more and continue to fill us. Being a follower of Jesus is to continue to follow and at the end of our passage, he puts it like this in verse uh, 22, 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of over everything of the church, which is body, and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul often uses this idea of being filled with the Spirit, being filled and again and again. And we pray every week that we'll be filled with spirit. We pray, come Holy Spirit, which feels like it's a hard thing to, to grasp. Because when we are saved, we, we are full of the Spirit. But yet we're, we're called to continually pray that we'd be filled with the Spirit. And when I was uh, younger, I thought I somehow lost a bit of the Spirit as life went on. That I needed to top up myself in some way or, or that I gave out. But I realized more and more that's not quite what... Paul and what, and what Jesus means in that. Um, the best way I've learned to describe it is with a balloon. Being filled with the Spirit is like a balloon. When we ask God to fill the Spirit, we get filled. This balloon is now full of air. 
but I can continue to fill it. It's not lost any air, but it's now somehow in some way fuller, but it's still full. And we can pray again, fill us with your spirit, God. And it's a bit fuller. And that's what we're kind of getting at when we're talking about being filled with spirit and praying, praying that God would fill us more. That we get filled more and more, and we don't pop, thankfully. Um, we get more and more full of spirit. And in some ways also, the reality is, it, in the same way this balloon gets stretched and stretched, often we get stretched in that. It can be an uncomfortable thing to continue to ask, be filled with the spirit. But it's God's intention that somehow as we pray for it more and more, we get more and more full of the spirit. As we come and seek God again and again, that we may know him more, we may his hope more, we may know his grace, his, his righteousness, inheritance for us more and more, we would continue to be filled and filled more. Well done for meeting Mike Joe, thanks. Because what also Paul goes on to talk about in our passage is that we are called to know the power that is within us. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his body, for his people, his incomparable great power for who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule or authority, power and dominion. The name that's above every name is invoked, and not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Paul not only prays that they may know God more, but he prays that they may know the power that is within them. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in heaven. What a life. It's one of those lines we can easily skip over as we read scripture, but let that just sit with us for a minute. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him enthroned in heaven is in you. It's a line that should blow our minds in a way. It was really easy as we read it to shake it off because... I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like the power that is within me is, is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's not what I experience, so it can't be true. And in some ways, I'm not going to try. But in some ways, we need to let our theology dictate our reality instead of letting our reality dictate our theology. Because Jesus said time and time in Scripture that we have been given this power by the Holy Spirit. And even if we don't experience it, it is truth. And so we need to let that truth dictate our reality instead of limiting God by the reality which we've only experienced. It is a gift that God has given us a power of his Holy Spirit. By his grace, he has given to every single one of us. The power that raised him from the dead is in us. That is the truth of Scripture. 
But even though it doesn't always feel like that, doesn't mean it's not true. And just like Paul prayed for the church here in Ephesus, that they may know that power, the reality of it, that must be our prayer too. For ourselves, for one another, for us as a church. God can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. If we limit the power of God to what we've only ever seen or experienced in our own lives, the best we'll ever get is the same as we've seen. But in reality, what will often happen is we'll only ever experience slightly less than what we've ever seen. The only way we'll ever see more of the power of God is by stepping out into expecting him to do the things we may only have ever read about. One of the first times I ever saw someone healed was a friend of mine called Matt. We're at a Christian conference and um, this pastor was preaching who was really gifted in the ministry of healing. And uh, he had a word about metal dissolving in bodies. And my friend, being the South African that he was, was like, yep, that's me. He, as a teenager, had hurt his knee playing cricket and had plates in his leg. And so jumped up immediately, prayed for and I sat next to him like, what are you doing? This is not how we do things. And so the pastor's like, someone stood around you, stand up, put a hand on them, pray for them, for the, for the metal to be dissolved. And I was there with such little faith. Didn't expect anything to happen. And as a South African, it wasn't summer, but he was wearing shorts. And you could see the scar on his leg. So we asked him to put hands on your knee. Is that sure? And we prayed probably some of the worst prayers, but also some of the most powerful prayers. With that prayer we pray, we come, Holy Spirit. You're a God of healing. May you heal. And right before our eyes, that scar disappeared. And not only that, and I have no idea why God did this, but the hairs grew back on his leg where the scar was. Why? No idea. But it did. He ended up going and having an x-ray, and the metal has completely gone. It was one of my first experiences of ever seeing something beyond what I'd ever seen before of healing. We have the power that raised Jesus from the dead within us. It's a power that transforms our lives, the lives of our friends, our family, the people living here in Basingstoke. There is so much more for all of us. But if I'm honest, in my times of weakness, I don't really want more sometimes. Probably more times than I care to admit. That I've had, as I've been wrestling with this passage this week, in reality, that has been my feeling this week. Of God, I've actually got quite enough at the moment. More is not really what I want. I feel like I've got enough. I can't really be pushed anymore at the moment, God. I've had enough. I felt like Moses saying, sure, God, but please send someone else. But what I continually know of God is while it is stretching, just like the balloon, 
while it can be hard to step into that and continue to seek the more of God, it is oh so good. It is available to each and every single one of us, not just special Christians who seem to be living perfect lives, but us who feel at our end, who feel like we don't really have space for more, who feel like we're not sorted enough to do the big, miraculous, incredible things, to know God more. It is for every single one of us. And Paul prays this for the whole church in Ephesus. That we may know his incomparable great power for us who believe. Paul prays and we need to pray for ourselves and one another that we may continue to know more of God. And that we may continue to know the power that is within us. Because like I said, if we start to really grasp and grapple this more and more, it is transformative. For our own lives, wherever we may feel where we're at at the moment, to continue to seek God is the best and most life-giving thing. To continue to seek his power will transform our lives and the lives of those around us. We need to continue to seek him and pray this prayer for us.